I am more than glad to be here. I, I'm, I'm thankful uh, to connect here. There's a difference. There's a difference between being here and just attending here and connecting and contributing. And Minnie and I are um, honored to serve here with you to contribute and connect and look forward to all that God has in store for us in the future. It's good. I uh, failed to mention that this bookmark, um, their verse, Halo's verse, is on there, 1 John 4, 19. Uh, we love him because he first loved us. And so we'd like to ask you to uh, keep that in your Bible. And on the back is, if you have some glasses that... Uh, uh, and I'll certainly use mine, but on the back of this, as you have occasion to read through these names and ask God to pray for these people, these individuals, and for their families. And so that's why these bookmarks are given to you. Um, so I hope that you'll use them. I, uh, in prepar preparing for this, um, didn't really know what to expect Halo Sunday with families here with some special needs. And my first uh, thought in getting ready for this several weeks ago as Michelle and I began to talk about this service was there was an individual that I know and I thought, I'm going to have him come and speak. And he told me he would. Then he called me back and canceled. And I was disappointed. And so I thought, well, I, I guess it's on me. I need to prepare something. And so let me ask you this question. If you were to be asked to go to the Bible and find something that's appropriate biblically to address special needs and special needs families, the body of Christ, where would you go? And so that was what I began to think and pray about. The Lord led me to a text. I'm going to read with you in just a moment. And, um, uh, so, and I hope that God will use that. I also received a text last night from, from Dawn McKinney. And there's a good quote that she shared with me. She said that any church that doesn't have a special needs ministry like this really is a handicapped church. And I thought that's really good. Do you, do you know how this ministry started? I didn't, I didn't know. And so I began to ask and inquire, and there were a few families who were attending this church years ago and had some special needs family members, and so they started attending. And it was difficult for them to connect and to contribute here like um, other families. Do you know why? Well, it was because some of the needs of their families didn't allow them to function like some other families. And so sometimes they weren't able to place their sons or their daughters in a Sunday school class, normal Sunday school class, just didn't fit, wasn't going to work. 
So many of those moms and dads weren't able to attend church regularly. Sometimes mom had to attend why dad stayed home with the kids, child, or children. Then other Sundays they'd rotate and mom would stay home and dad would attend. And so they weren't able to function, to assimilate, to connect like other families. And then there was a couple of people in the church and the Lord stirred their hearts. You remember in John 13, 34, 35, Jesus said, it's by your love that you have for one another that people will know that you're my disciples, how you treat people. So there was a couple of people in the church that recognized that there was a need and because of God's love for them in the gospel and because God produced, read that verse, we love him because he first loved us and we love others because we also come to understand his love for us. And because of that, they felt stirred to, to try to care for these families. So this halo ministry was really birthed out of love. How? How can God use me to, to love and help another and serve a family? It's motivated and compelled by love. And I don't think that, and I know who some of those people were initially who reached out to care for others. I don't think at the time when they started this and they started trying to care for families, they had any idea of what this might turn into and what this might look like. They just felt love in their hearts and wanted to try to help and serve. And so that's what they did. They said, let us watch your son, let us watch your daughter, and we're going to take good care of them and we'll love them, whatever that looks like. We'll do whatever we need to do to care for them for an hour or so so that you all can come to church, go to Sunday school, like other families. And so that's what happened. And as they begin to do that, then other families begin to hear about that, that kind of love and that kind of care. And so some other families started attending. And some other families started inviting other families and said there's some people there that will love and care about your family. That, and, and that's the church, right? That's supposed to be the church. Instead of saying, well, our, our programs and our programming doesn't allow for that, so you just, I guess you all just don't fit in here. No, they said, we want to do what we can do to minister and so some other things. And then eventually, um, us being Baptists, formed a committee, right? And they formed a committee, and the committee was given the task of try to figure out what we can do more and develop this in the ministry to minister and to care for families. And so the committee did their work, and in 2014, seven years ago, this ministry called Halos was launched, and it's 
continue to grow and to develop. And I would say that I think God's hand is still on it and it's still growing, it's still developing. And so now on Sunday mornings, there is a, a Sunday school department for families with special needs. And on Wednesday nights, there's a midweek service kind of focusing on missions for families with special needs. And then multiple times throughout the years, there, throughout the year, there are special outreach activities, vacation Bible schools and egg hunts and drive-throughs and night to shine. Any of you hear that? Night to shine. Sound familiar? Night to shine. Yeah. That goes on to minister to families with special needs. And I'm glad to be part of this. And I will tell you, feel very um, sincerely, very, very humbled for many not to be a part of this with you. So let me share a word with you if you have your Bible. I encourage you to, to go with me to 1 Corinthians 12. I'm not going to be long, but I want to share some things uh, from Scripture that I think that are appropriate and applicable for, for what goes, has occurred here today and what's occurring uh, through here. So 1 Corinthians 12, read with me starting at verse 12. Paul is describing diversity diversity in the church, diversity in the body with a sense of unity, unity with diversity, diversity with unity. And um, a little background of this text was, as Paul uh, received a letter from the Corinthians church about some issues, most likely the elders of the church penned this letter, sent it to Paul while he was ministering in Ephesus having all these issues and questions. And so Paul, there in Ephesus, writes this letter back, sends it to Corinth to address these issues. And one of the particular issues that was plaguing the church was too many of the members saw church as an independent, individual kind of thing. Just being a part of the church is just individualistic. It's just all about me. Just, that's the way they thought. Thought about my needs, my experience, what I like, what I don't like. And just viewed following Christ, living for Christ independently as an individual without any thought about the corporate dynamics, the, a sense of interdependence and dependency upon each other. I don't think that the Corinthian culture was... Um, much different than our culture in some ways and because I think our culture, our culture values independence. Don't we? We value independence. Do it yourself. Take pride in pulling your boots up by your own straps. Take pride in making it in your own way. Take pride in doing your own thing and never asking for help. Pride. I don't need anybody. I don't need any help. I can live for Christ by myself independently. Uh, I don't really need the church. And if I do, 
I'm not going to ever ask for any help because we value independence. We don't value dependence. We don't value interdependency. And so it was plaguing the church. And so Paul writes to them, and one of the things he does is he talks about the physical human body, and the body has lots of parts, many parts, one body, and all of those body parts work together for unity. Um, you think about your body, you have diversity in, in your physical body. Your physical body is very diverse. The parts are very diverse. The body parts don't even look alike. The hands don't look like feet. Elbows don't look like knees. Eyeballs don't look like ears. It's a very diverse physical composite, but yet it's one body. And all the parts of the body function together and need each other and work together. And Paul says to them, I want you to understand God has designed it this way and all of you need each other. And you need to stop thinking about you and individualistically what it looks like to follow Christ and you need to start thinking with a sense of interdependence. Read with me 1 Corinthians 12 starting at verse 12. For as the body is one and has many parts, many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ, the body of Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact... The body is not one part, the body is not one member, but many parts, many members. And like this, if the foot could talk, if you had a talking foot, and the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not still of the body? And if the ear could talk and say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? What if the whole body were an eye? Would, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? <laughs> but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. So he designed the human physical body, and he designed and comprises and builds the church body. Verse 19. And if they were all one member, one part, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Nor again can the head say to the feet, you don't matter. You really don't matter. I don't need you. No. No. Much rather, not just rather, much rather, to the contrary, to the contrary, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are very necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be <laughs> less honorable, 
On these, Paul says, we as a church bestow greater honor and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. And God has composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it. That's what's supposed to happen. Why? So that there should be no schism in the body. And that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one family member suffers, and I added family member there, one part, one part of the body, one member of the body suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ. You're the body of Christ and members individually. Paul is describing the human body physically, many parts, many members, eyes, ears, feet, elbows, knees, hearts, lungs. Some of the parts of the body are very outward and presentable and some of the parts of the human body are very private and modest and you don't see them. You may never on the outside see the human heart, <laughs> but you'll know if it's not there. You would miss it if it wasn't there. And all of these parts of the body work together as a unit. If you get up like I do in the middle of the night, like most men do, and you get up in the dark and you make a trek to the restroom, comes with age, and it's dark and you're half asleep, and you walk through the room and you stub your toe on a cabinet or a piece of furniture, that toe, that toe that hurts so bad, the rest of the body parts responds to the toe. Amen? What happens? Well, the, the leg, the body stops and the leg reacts and the hands and the fingers may go down and grab the toe and the brain begins to work and the, and the tongue, the mouth might even say some things like, praise the Lord, hallelujah. <laughs> it all works together. It's all connected. And when one little tiny part of the body hurts, the rest of the body feels it. Even a little body part, like a little, little pinky finger, a weak part of the body, a, not as essential, not as important, we think, but if something happens to that little finger, the little pinky, the whole body responds, the whole body cares, the whole body reacts. You have a diverse set of parts, a diverse set of members, but they all are one and they all work together and function together. So what does that have to do with the church body? What does that have to do with halos? It certainly applies to halos, doesn't it? But it applies far beyond halos. 
for the body of Christ. And if you don't connect, if you don't connect to the body, then let me ask you this. How are you going to function in unity, in unity with the body? If you don't connect. If being a Christian and going to church is just showing up for a few minutes on Sunday morning, one time a week, and you never connect, and I'm thankful, we're all thankful that everyone is here, but if you don't get past that and connect, then how do you rejoice with that part of the body that's hurting? And how do you uh, hurt and suffer with it and rejoice and celebrate with it if you don't connect? That's what Paul is saying to the Corinthians. He's saying, some of you don't get it. You don't, you're not connecting. You think that you can do this on your own. And I was thinking back about this a few years ago when my dad at 78 years of age, because of vascular disease, had his, one of his legs amputated. He lost that part of the body. And I watched him suffer and go through that. And then two years later, at age 80, because of the same vascular disease, they amputated his left leg. And I watched my dad suffer and go through that, and because of our connectedness, he's my dad. I love my dad. And I felt that I, in my heart, in my mind, I felt that with him, when he went into surgeries, with him when he came out, the phantom pain, all the things that he went through and then being fitted with prosthetic legs and watching him wheel into therapy rooms and then try to get him up on the beams and build up his upper body strength and his arms so they could get up on a walker and working with those people who came in and fitted him for those prosthetics and watch my dad at 82 years of age walk. I tried to be there as much as I could to encourage him. I'm saying just because of our connectedness, I felt, I felt in my heart for him, prayed for him, loved him, did everything I could to encourage and support him. And I can tell you, I, I never really thought about this till this week and, and, and thinking about what to say. What do you think happened to the, and this may sound kind of gruesome, but what happened to those legs that were amputated? When they weren't connected, when they were severed, when they were removed. I know one thing for sure, they don't, those body parts, once severed and removed, they couldn't do what those legs are supposed to do. And I watched the rest of his body compensate to try and compensate to make up for those body parts that were gone and the stress and the strain that it put on the rest of the body because those body parts weren't connected. And I think about the church body and there's some of you who might be listening to me and you have great ability and great gifts and God has blessed you with a good mind and finances and strength and you have so much to give and there are many of you who just refuse to disconnect. So gifted, so able and 
so much that God could do through you, but you disconnect and you force the rest of the body to work harder and to compensate because you just won't connect. Because following Jesus is individualistic for you. It's about you. We even use that kind of language a lot of times. We talk about a personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's true. It is personal. And it starts out personal. But as you grow and mature in Christ, you begin to understand this is not just a personal relationship between me and God. This is a relationship that also involves the body of Christ, my brothers and sisters, the other parts of the body, and how I contribute and serve and build up and strengthen the rest of the body. Let me think back to my dad, because those legs weren't connected. The rest of the body worked hard and prosthetic legs were substituted, but that body was never the same. You're never going to get up out of bed, walk to the bathroom in the middle of the night, use a little urinal jug. Couldn't get up and walk, couldn't run, couldn't skip, couldn't just get up and go. The body, he still could go. He could still do things, but it was slow and it was difficult and it was hard. And I, I think, well, that's what happens to the church when people won't connect. That was a problem at Corinth. That's what Paul, that's why Paul writes this letter. The halo ministry would have never started, never would have occurred, never would have, none of this would have happened today if a couple of people who are connected here had not been sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit and said, I want to, there's a need there, and, and God, I, I want to see if I can help. That's, that's all, that's all it's done. I just, I want to help. I want to help that family, help those families. I want to serve. And that's how God works. Caring about each other, connecting with each other. Let me ask you a question. First, are you connected? Are you connected? Are you contributing to the health of the body? Some of us are living our lives right now as if this is all that mattered. These 50, 60, 70, 80 years, that's all there is. And forget about eternity and investing in people, loving people, advancing the kingdom, advancing the interests to make a difference for eternity. And so my challenge to you today is if you're connected and you're serving and ministering, then God bless you, pour it on. Like Paul, continue to spend and be spent. Spend your life. Don't waste your life. Spend your life. Invest it in serving and loving people. And a good place it starts in the body of Christ because I can tell you there's all kinds of needs here. On a personal level, this precious lady you talked about, her and her son being in that car wreck. Watch that and listen to that. I, I, as one person, 
cannot connect and minister to all the needs of this church. But together, if we work together, there should be no reason that any person in this church is not loved and prayed for and supported and cared for. Amen? I want to challenge you to connect, to invest, to invest in life. Make a difference. And uh, see what God can do through you to make a difference. I'm going to ask for those of you who might want to do this, these families, Halo's families are here, these sections. We're going to have a time of prayer with them, and then we're going to want to ask Don to come and share an invitation with us. During that invitation, if you're here and you, you're looking for a church family, we'd invite you to come. We'll help you to connect. If you're here and you're not living for Christ and you'd like to commit your life to Him, surrender your life to Him, you come, we'd love to pray with you and share the gospel with you and share with you how you can Surrender your life and come to know God. And so let's, those of you who'd like to, if you want to get up and come and gather, place hand on, just gather around these families. Let's, let's have a time of prayer and then we'll, we'll close with an invitation. All right.